Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The portion of God's Word to which we draw our attention this morning is our Gospel reading for today from Mark chapter 9. And I will again read just verse 37. Please rise as we hear these words of our Lord. Jesus said, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes not just me, but also him who sent me. This is the word of our Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, these are your words. Make us holy through the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. You may be seated. If you would, if you would take your bulletin for a moment and just pull out the insert that's in there, the one that says Bethany Lutheran Church ELS at the top. After that, what's the first word? Welcome. Now I suppose that you could say that that greeting is there, that welcome is there just for visitors. I mean, we do want visitors to feel welcome when they come to our church. But maybe that, that welcome there in that insert is kind of like that doormat that you might have at your front door that says welcome. Who sees that most of the time? Well, most of the time it's going to be you, your family, perhaps people that come to your house all the time that see that welcome that's there. So is it really necessary to, to say welcome to people that you see all the time or to your family? Perhaps it would be useful if we considered what welcome actually means. It comes from an old English word, wilkuma, and that referred to a welcome guest. And so when you say welcome to someone, you're actually extending a, a greeting of well wishes to that person as you receive them. And as a verb, to welcome someone means to receive them well, to make them feel at home, to make them feel like you're glad that they're there. Today we want to think about welcoming the most important person, namely Jesus. He's definitely worthy to be welcomed, first of all, because he was determined to suffer for us. At the beginning of the gospel reading, Jesus is teaching his disciples what he is determined to do. This is actually the second time in Mark's gospel that, that Jesus talks about what was coming up for him. The first time where he mentioned that he was going to be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, that he would suffer and die and then rise, it came right before Jesus was transfigured. And on that occasion, when Jesus had told them these things, if you'll recall, Peter tried to talk him out of it. He didn't think that this was supposed to be part of God's plan. And so Jesus rightfully puts Peter in his place by calling him Satan and telling him that he is not thinking about the things of God, but rather the things of men. This time, though, in the text, in the passage that we're looking at today, it says that after Jesus tells his disciples that 
he's going to, to suffer and die and rise, it says they did not understand the statement. And they were afraid to ask him about it. So put yourself in the sandals of the disciples for just a moment. Why didn't they get it? Didn't they know who Jesus was? Certainly they did. They believed that he was the promised Savior, the Messiah who was to come. They trusted in him. That's why they were following him all over the place, serving as his students, as his disciples. But did they fully understand what it meant for him to be the Messiah? No. If they had, if they really understood, they would have known that Jesus had to suffer and die and rise. This was all clearly the, the teaching from the Scriptures, from the Old Testament. And this was something that they knew. The problem was is that over the years, many of the Jews had misinterpreted these words, these passages of Scripture. And so they were looking forward to a different kind of Messiah, not one who was going to come and, and suffer and die, but one who was going to come and, and conquer and, and reign as a worldly king. Now, of course, we have the benefit of hindsight. We hear Jesus' words about suffering and dying and rising, and we take that all for granted. I suppose that can be a good thing, because we need to believe in the real Jesus, not some Jesus of our own imagination. But are there times when, when you hear about Jesus suffering and dying and, and rising and our eyes kind of glaze over and we say, yeah, yeah, we, we know all this. We, we've heard this so many times. We don't need to hear it again and again. Well, if that's the case, if we don't need to hear this again and again, well, we might as well pack up and go home right now. We might as well give up on, on gathering together for worship or for Bible study. We might as well give up on, on reading our Bibles and praying to God. Because if we don't need to hear about Jesus suffering and dying and rising, that means that we have stopped sinning. So have you? Have you stopped sinning? If you have, well, then you don't need to hear that Jesus suffered and, and died and rose for you. But on the, so, the not-so-off chance that you haven't stopped sinning, well, then you need to hear this message. You need to hear Jesus tell you, you are the reason that I came to this world to take on your sins, to suffer and to die and rise, all so that your sins would be forgiven. I rose from the dead to guarantee that you also would rise from the dead. So you see why Jesus was determined to suffer. The forgiveness of your sins and the forgiveness of every person who has ever lived or every person who ever will live depends on it. And Jesus needed his disciples to hear this, this hard-to-grasp message 
again and again. He needs you to hear this life-giving message again and again. He needs you to welcome him, to hear that message as you welcome him, to receive him as you listen to that message. Yes, welcome Jesus. Ask him to teach you. Ask him to forgive your sins. Ask him to keep you faithful to him. Why? Why welcome Jesus? Well, not only was Jesus determined to suffer, he was also determined to serve. Which do you enjoy more? Do you enjoy serving or being served? Historically, it seems like it's the the rich and the powerful that have the clout, that have the, the resources to be able to have all of these people serve them. Sometimes we might have dreams of having enough money someday so that we can hire people to do all of those things that we get tired of doing, all of the day-to-day things that, that just become uh, tiring and, and a drudgery. If only we could be so great as to have all of these people serve us. If only we could be so great and important, we might think. And that's the, the, the mindset of the disciples as they were traveling with Jesus back to their home base of, of Capernaum. Which one of them was the greatest? Now we could imagine the thoughts being expressed. You know, I was one of the first ones to follow Jesus, to believe in him, I'm certain that I'm better than all the rest of you. Well, I gave up more than anybody else to follow Jesus. Certainly, I'm better than the rest of you. Really? Well, I can come up with answers to those questions Jesus asked much more quickly than any of you. Certainly, I look better in God's eyes. Sure, we may cringe when we hear that sort of discussion. But do we cringe because we're frustrated? Because the disciples really didn't get it? That they didn't understand who Jesus was and his kingdom and what it was all about? Or do we cringe because sometimes we think along those same lines? And really, when we think like that, ultimately, we're not really that concerned about how we look in the eyes of others. Yes, we we do care, but really we're thinking about the big picture. How do we look in God's eyes? Do you see how faithful I am, Lord? Do you see how often I read my Bible and pray? Do you see how often I come to church and to Bible class? Do you see how much money I put into that offering plate? I bet that, that I put the bulk of the church's budget in that offering plate. Look at me, God. Maybe that's, if God cared about Twitter, that's what we would put as hashtag, look at me, God. If anyone wants to be first, he will be the last of all and the servant of all, Jesus tells us today in this passage. Now, that's taking... The, the thinking of the world, our natural way of thinking and just turning it completely upside down. We strive to be 
first in so many ways that that striving to be last well that's that's just really strange that's crazy that's way too different but that is the way that Jesus wants us to think and live in Matthew's gospel he records this same message of Jesus this message of not being first but being last etc and then he goes on and he says or he gives what Jesus said as the reason why Jesus said just as the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many let those words sink in just a bit Jesus the God of the universe the one who created everything the word through whom this universe was created he came to this world not to be served but to serve and he served he served by by giving sight to blind people by giving hearing to deaf people by raising dead people back to life again by giving forgiveness of sins by giving eternal life yes that's what Jesus meant when he said that he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many there was that price that needed to be paid the ransom price because of our sins we owed to God our very lives and Jesus came to pay that he took that penalty he became last so that we could be first he paid the price when he went to the cross when he suffered and died when he offered up his sinless perfect life his death means life for us and that's why Jesus came to serve so that we could live so that we could live forever as Jesus is teaching his disciples on this occasion he kind of ends this particular lesson he's trying to teach with an object lesson he really wants the disciples to understand what true service is all about true and gracious service is acting for the benefit of someone else people who need to be served the most are are people who can't do certain things for themselves Consider how Jesus healed people. A blind person can't just restore his own sight. A deaf person can't just restore his own hearing. A dead person can't just get up and and walk on his own. And despite what children might tell you, especially maybe toddlers, no, they can't do everything on their own either. And so Jesus picks up a child, perhaps a, a toddler, what can children do on their own? Well, let me rephrase that. Could a child survive on their own? Can a child work to put food on the table? Can a child make his own clothes? Can a child find her own place to live? Children, especially the younger they are, are relatively helpless. And that's why they need parents or older relatives or friends to take care of them children need people to serve them 
But is that always easy? Is it always easy to serve children? Oh, sure, we love children, and, and we appreciate being able to take care of them most of the time. But it is kind of tiring. It's not just physically tiring, it's emotionally draining to take care of children. This, this young life is dependent on you. That's a lot of responsibility. You really do have to be willing to serve if you're going to serve children. So Jesus makes this comparison between welcoming a little child and welcoming him. And really what he's asking is, are you willing to serve? Are you willing to do whatever this child needs you to do because he or she is dependent on you? Are you willing to put your needs and desires last and put the needs and desires of this child first? Well, if you are, then you have a servant's heart. And then you have the heart of Jesus. Note the comparison Jesus makes. Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. In other words, welcoming Jesus is all about serving. Serving Him. Serving your family. Serving your neighbor. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that through all this service we somehow earn our way into God's good graces or earn forgiveness from Jesus. No. But all of this service that we do actually shows who it is who is in our hearts. As Christians, we have Jesus living in our hearts. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3, Do you not realize that Jesus Christ is in you? Indeed, when you were baptized, when you were brought to faith, Jesus came to live in your heart. He's there in your heart by granting you forgiveness. He's there in your heart as he serves others through your service to others. So yes, today let us say, welcome, Jesus. Every day when we ask Jesus to forgive us, forgiveness which he willingly and lovingly grants us because he was determined to suffer for us, well then we welcome Jesus. Every day when we show love for others, when we do whatever it is that we can to serve them, considering Jesus not just as our example, but really the one who is doing this service through us, well then we welcome Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest. Amen.